1: That when the younger men or younger women coming to church they say you know what i didn't learn this from my parents i didn't learn about repentance or coming to christ through my parents i didn't know what it's like to see god i didn't even know there was a god i didn't learn it from my parents but i visited this church one time and there was this if it was a woman say there was this godly woman everything about her was godly it caused me to repent and, and turn my life around and, and surrender, become born again. And now I'm following Jesus. And the same thing for a young man, especially young men. There's not many fathers out there.
0: One of the beautiful things about the church is how closely it can become like a family. We all only have two parents. And if we grew up in a house where they didn't know the Lord, then we never learn the godly principles from them. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing how the influence that we have in a church could be exactly what the younger generation needs and didn't get from their family. This is what discipleship looks like. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter 2 as he continues his message, Qualities of a Sound Church.
1: Let's look at Proverbs chapter thirteen verse twenty-four. Proverbs chapter thirteen verse twenty-four writes this: "He," and that applies to the she. And the you know masculine pronoun in here doesn't mean that women are excluded. He who spares his rod hates his son. You don't discipline your child according to body, you hate, and it's the truth to that because if you really love them, you raise them up well. But he who loves him disciplines him properly. We need to underline properly because quite often we always used to give limits to our children. If you don't stop by the count of three, right? Or if you don't stop by the time I count to ten. And where do you think they're going to stop at nine and a half? Kids know this. Or you make empty threats. Kids, you must discipline them. And let me tell you, you know, working in in the city as a police officer, I've seen 14, 15-year-old kids get brought into the, the station house. And I remember one time it was a 14 or 15-year-old kid was there. And every time I see a teenager, they can't be in the cells. They kind of put in a room in a chair. And so I always try to, an opportunity to witness the gospel to them just because you know, it always breaks my heart to see these kids. One kid didn't want to talk to me at all. He didn't give me a time of day no matter what I did or say. and I, And I talked to the officer who was watching him he said what's what's his story and he said no he's here because he beat up his grandfather i don't know if his grandmother but it's a grandparent i said what really yeah that's nothing he was here about a couple of months ago he beat up his father or mother something like that so he went from grandparents and there's 15 and you see them in there also because they had guns you know this is a sad thing if they're not disciplined at home the legal system, the government's going to punish them. And they're not good at punishing either. They reward them and they send them back out. It's a problem. But parents, if you love your child, discipline. Number three, <laughs> to be discreet, temperate. In other words, she's to exercise self-control. Number four, chaste. No, she's pure. Younger women, Christian wife is true to her husband in mind, heart, and in action. Number five, Homemaker or keeper at home. She's not a prisoner. And now, right now, we live in a world where they say, oh, well, it. I don't care what the world says. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Okay? I love the fact that my wife is home. The Bible doesn't forbid a woman to have a job outside, but the Bible does tell her what she needs to do. She needs to be a homemaker. In the Greek, it gives the idea that she is to be busy at home. Busy at home. Her primary responsibility, her business at home, taking care of the kids, raising the kids, because they're much better with the kids. Okay? I don't know how Judy did it, but she did it. And let me tell you, with her, she had surgery not too long ago, and all of us realized, wow, without Judy in the in the house doing what she normally does, we're a mess. <laughs> Even my dogs don't even know what to do. I feed my dogs. My dog is looking at it. I have a greedy dog. He eats anything, but he's looking at me like Something Something's not right here. And I'm gonna be honest, you know, coffee every morning, right? I have the drip coffee. You know, you think that's simple to operate. I didn't know how to operate it. <laughs> And no lie, we're in church. God is my witness. I just learned how to use a dishwasher. Yeah. My wife did what she and she does it best, better than me. And I tried making the coffee thing, by the way, never came out good. And I would tell Judy, Judy, you make it better. And she probably thought I was trying to fake incompetency. You know, I said, oh, I could do it. No, I can't. You do it, but I became a pro. I know how to do this thing. By the way, I know how to sew. I have my own sewing machine, by the way. Yes? I know how to iron. Judy can tell you. I taught her how to iron my shirts. I know how to sew. I know how to take care of my clothes. And Judy can tell you that. But the Bible says she's to be a homemaker. Let me tell you, it's not... Passing, but this is biblical the way it is, the so way God had ordained it from the very beginning in the garden. Okay, and God isn't changed because God's same yesterday, today, forever. The same God that we worship today is the same God that you know was that created heaven and earth. And in the beginning, before the fall, He created man before the woman, and so it's not about value because women always say, "Oh, well, God values men better." No, it's order. Because the same way you look at Scripture, scripture, Jesus said the Son submits to the Father in the same way. So if the Son submits to the Father, are we saying that the Father is better than Jesus? Perish the thought, right? They're equal. They're one. So in the same way, it's not saying that we're to degrade, or women being degraded or just going to the house. Let me tell you something. Since I retired, I love being in my house. But it's not... It's not value. It's not what's better. Because both man and woman create an image of God. Both create an image of God. So anyway, she used to teach what is good. And that means to translates to be kind. And number seven, finally, obedient to her own, to their own husbands. Obedient means uh, to subject oneself into submission, uh, to submit to. And this is an attitude. The submission is an attitude. It says, submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. If the husband says, listen, honey, uh, things are rough, um, there's a five-finger discount when you go to Walmart. So just take whatever you want with your five fingers. No, I can't do that. Stealing. We need to lie on our taxes. I'm sorry. We can't lie. I'm not lying. But First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, Wives, likewise submit to your own husband. Not other husbands, not other men. No, your own husband. Because I don't think any husband wants his woman to submit to any other man. It said, but be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, in other words, they're not believers, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Peter was talking to the wives who had unsaved husbands and that's quite often the case. But you know what? By the way you conduct yourself. There are husbands who probably don't want to come to church. We get to see how their wives are. You see? There's someone else. They're in church. They're one person. And home, they're another person. Harold, why can't you come to church with me? I said, that's the reason why. I take a break when you're not here. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And so, you know... (laughs) Remember, it's value, not order. (laughs) Obedient to their own husbands that the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's important. And, you know, all of this in the home is to set an example to the world. Say, listen, we're not saying that we're better than people. No, we're just better off because we follow Christ. And the families just set the example of the world. That's a come there. The world isn't like the one mommy, one daddy, children. They don't want that. They want the two mommies, the two daddies, or whatever. They're just making up. They're breaking up the family. The believers in Jesus Christ should tell them this is the way it is in the scripture. We're a family of God. The way God has ordained a marriage between one biological man and one biological woman with children. Be fruitful. Multiply. Why? Because we need Godly offsprings. That's why we need to be fruitful. Today, nowadays, people say, oh, well, don't want to have a kid because it's expensive. That's not what God said. You still have kids. Think about your career or something else. If you don't trust in the Lord, then, you know, with a child or, the, or anything else, then why bother? You know, we, 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 we're having this mentality. It's a worldly, secular mentality. Don't have kids, they're expensive. You know, God provides, and God has been faithful. If you, you read the story with Moses' mother, right? If Mo- we wouldn't have Moses if it was Moses' mother didn't fear God because she would have let Moses go into this crocodile-infested river like all the other male Jews that were tossed in. But she feared God, she saved his life. He became a deliverer of Israel. Didn't fear Egypt. Didn't fear the government. Nothing. And that's the way we should obey God, not man. The fourth group, younger men, verses 6 through 8, and there's two things that the younger men in the church must do. Number 6, number 1, into verse 6, likewise exhort the younger men to be sober minded, focused, earnest, discerning, discreet. And younger men need to be sober minded. Listen, I was a young man. Well, I still am a young man. But I was a young man once, and let me tell you all guts, no brains. And I always crashed into things, I did things, and I always got in trouble for it. Something happened in the house, where's Edward? (laughs) Or my nickname, where's Pee Wee? (laughs) You can't use that. (laughs) That was my nickname. Who did it? Pee Wee did it. (laughs) But you need to be careful, because younger men, you know, we start, you know, younger men, we stupid. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 uh, chapter 2 verse 22 it says flee also useful lusts and that's important but pursue righteousness faith love peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart be pure verse 7 in all things show yourself and that's including Pauls including Titus here he's a young man obviously because he includes him into this group And he said, in all things, show yourself, you, Titus, to be a pattern or an example of good works, good deeds. What are those good deeds? Read on, number one, in doctrine, showing integrity. Teach the word of God with integrity. Be faithful to the text. Don't water it down. Don't take away. And if it offends, that's the word of God. Jesus said, I come to bring a sword. I come to bring a sword. He said, I did not come to bring... Peace, but a sword, right? say, whoa, Jesus, what's going on? Well, because the word is going to divide families, going to divide friends, because you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe in the gospel. The gospel is offensive. You tell anyone, anyway, you go out there, you preach about God, you might get someone interested, but you say, Jesus, oh, wait a minute. Notice, that's a difference, because there's so many gods out there. But if you say, Jesus Christ, whoa, wait a minute. I know about you Christians, you, you know, Bible thumper Christian guys, you Jesus freaks, you know. No, you talk about Jesus because you know what that means? It means, it means repentance. It means, it means submission. It means surrendering your life. That's what that means. Good works, doctrine, keeping the word. Two, reverence. We, we went through this. Dignified, honest, honorable. Incorruptibility, meaning to be above reproach. Above reproach. Verse 8, number 4. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. In other words, watch how you talk. Be careful what you say. Even those jokes that are perverted. And we shouldn't even listen to those jokes. If you're around jokes like that, then you shouldn't have, oh yeah, smile. No. Listen, I'm sorry. My job, they used to have jokes and I said, I'm sorry. I don't find it funny. I find it offensive to God. We shouldn't be cursing. What the world consider a curse, you shouldn't be cursing. I'm pretty sure you're smart enough where you have a vocabulary. You don't have to use those words. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. In other words, everything you say, whether it's a formal teaching, informal conversation, it should be sound, healthy. It should be appropriate. It should be edifying. It should be encouraging. It should be pretty much life-giving. Verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned that one who is an opponent like the adversary or someone who is just against an unbeliever may be ashamed having nothing evil to say to They're going to be embarrassed. I got nothing against this guy. He's always talking about Jesus. He's always encouraged. He's always got something nice to say. He's not a slanderer. I got nothing to say about him. And so young men, learn from the older men. Older men, be godly. Set the example. Younger women, learn from the older women. Women, set the example. You have, the older you are, the more responsibilities you have. Set the example for those that are younger than you. Especially in the church, it's the best place, especially now. This world is is torn apart, it's hurting, it's dying. And the only leaders they could probably find is in the church. That when the younger men or younger women come into church, they say, You know what? I didn't learn this from my parents. I didn't learn about repentance or coming to Christ through my parents. I didn't know what it's like to see God. I didn't even know there was a God. I didn't learn it from my parents, but I visited this church one time. And there was this, if it was a woman, say, There was this godly woman. Everything about her was godly. It caused me to repent and and turn my life around and, and surrender, become born again. And now I'm following Jesus. And the same thing for a young man, especially young men. There's not many fathers out there. The age groups are over now. Now we're looking at the bond service employees. If you're an employee, here we go. And there are five things. If you're employed, you have a boss, supervisor, manager. If you're submitting it to anybody, In a job where you get paid five things you must do. In verses 9 and 10, he said, Exhort bond servants to be, number one, obedient to their own masters. Christian employees are to be obedient to their boss, their supervisors, and their managers. I know many of you may not like this. It doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say if they're godly, if they're nice, if they give you those benefits. No. Regardless... They could be dictators instead of motivators in your job, but you are to be a Christian. You're to be obedient to the word of God. Instead said exhort, bounce over to be obedient to their own masters. Number two, to be well-pleasing in all things. Well-pleasing. As you work as an employee, you should be pleasing in all things. You should do your best to please your boss. Work-related, that is. Every day, every assignment you've been given, By your boss or your employer, whatever it is. You're to fulfill it and do it as unto the Lord. Everything we do as unto the Lord. Number three, not answer back. Now, most cases, you won't have a job if you answer back. Okay? But if you're part of the union, (laughs) or if you're a union rep, (laughs) you know, you might, you know, get away with it. And if the union protects you from such a thing, you still are to not answer back. Well, it's not because you might lose your job, but because you are a, a, a child of Christ. You are a believer, you're a Christian. That's not the way you behave. You're to be Christ like. Verse 10, number four pilfering, stealing. That includes everything. If you work in an office, office stationery, pens, paper clips. <laughs> Unless it's given to you. Merchandise. Or even time. That's number one on the list for stealing from the boss. Time. You go to work on time. Better yet, early. You don't punch out early. Because if you punch out 15 minutes late, you just rob 15 minutes of that salary from your boss. You have to punch out when you're supposed to leave. That's being honest. So when you get your check every week, bi-weekly, whatever it is, you've earned every penny. It wasn't stolen. I used to always go to work early because I benefit from going to work early. Number one, I hated the traffic in New York City. I was a licensed locksmith in the city. And I would go early. And across the street was a, a bagel shop where they actually made the bagels there. They didn't order it from somebody. They made them there nice and hot right off the oven. I would go early and my boss would say, hey, Eddie, it's good to see you here early. Great, appreciate it. Hey, listen, I need a coffee and bagel. I buy you flying. Don't have to tell me again. A free bagel and a coffee? I went every, it's almost every morning, but sometimes I end up treating him to say, listen, I'm not here for the free bagels. I just hate the traffic. I always like to go to, I don't go on time. I love to go everywhere early. As a matter of fact, when they interviewed me for my job as a police officer, the detective that was doing my background investigation, and he said, so, Mr. Pinero, do you go to work on time? And he was getting ready to ask the next question. I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, I go to work early. Oh, that's nice, because I do go to work early. When I was they were interviewing me to be a chaplain for the state police, the, the, the investigator for the state uh, trooper there, he would say, you know, Pastor, you're the best guy that a background check is. All oh, your bosses wanted you back. <laughs> and that's how it used to work, where they say, listen, uh, if it, there's another one like him, I will I'll, I'll hire him on the spot. Yeah. Actually, he called one of my bosses. My boss said, what does he want? Is he, he's looking for a job. I'll hire him. And he said, no, no, no. Uh, he, he just, it's a volunteer job. He, actually, he's going to be a chaplain. Oh, he's volunteer? I'll double it. <laughs> uh, so and the other it, but it's good to have that because that might help you with a promotion, that will help you with you know with you know with increase in salary. Ultimately, you set the example that they may come to know Jesus. The fifth, finally, but show all good fidelity, in other words, loyalty, devotion, devoted to your job. You remember when you first were hired for the job, they interviewed you. They say, Hey, listen, why should we hire you? I'm the best person for the job. I work hard. Listen, every one of us probably been interviewed, right? Before you had the job. When the interviewed you sold yourself. Or did you lie? You say you're the best person for the job. You're a hard worker. Are you doing that now? No. Oh, I hate this job. I hate this this boss. Ah, forget it. Be faithful. Be loyal. And he goes to end to say that they... Your boss may adorn the doctrines of God and our Savior in all things. Ultimately, they may come to know Christ, your boss, and say, listen, I need, I need more Christians where they could trust you. Hey, do you know anybody in your church that wants to work? They could trust you. Your testimony is, becomes attractive. And so, sound doctrine brings forth Sound practice, right living, and it produces, you know, sound practice. So, healthy doctrine produces healthy spiritual living. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you, for the word that never perishes, Lord. And Lord. We partook of this bread at your table. Lord, now we, we ask, Lord, that you continue to be with us. May we remember the things that we were taught. You said your Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the things that I have taught you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit has taught us well, Lord. And may we remember these things, apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. God bless you. May the Lord be with you. Have a blessed day.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is working through the book of Titus. When it comes to running the race, the book gives us clear, sound advice for living, like in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, which say, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. That's just one small piece of the wisdom buried in the book of Titus. Pastor Eddie has a lot more to share with you, so be sure to come back again. Are you learning as much as I am from these messages? Want to be a part of sharing the good news through this ministry? Jessica is here to share with you how to step in.
1: Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at RunningTheRaceRadio.com.
0: If you missed that website, it was RunningTheRaceRadio.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Calvary Chapel of Milford, just click Back to Homepage. Thanks for being here with us today on Running the Race.